This is the Law Podcasting Podcast, where you learn how to use modern media to get your message out and more good clients to your law practice. Here's your host, Gordon Firemark. All right. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back. This is episode number 12 of the Law Podcasting Podcast. I'm your host, Gordon Firemark, and this is the show where I bring you information about how lawyers can use the power of podcasting to support and develop their businesses, even if they're not specifically podcasting about the law. And my guest for this session is a classic example of that. He is David Sparks. He is an Orange County, California area business lawyer and a self-proclaimed geek. He's a podcaster, blogger, and author who writes about finding the best tools and hardware and workflows for using Apple products to get work done. David also writes for Macworld Magazine and speaks about technology pretty much all over the place. Uh, he's the author of a series of field guides to various technology tools uh, and an innovator in the field of direct publishing. And his books are really much more than just books. They're designed for consumption on the iPad. And so they're able to incorporate uh, non-traditional design elements and animations and audio and video, really some great material out there. And I'll ask David to tell us a little bit about that at the, at the end of our call. And uh, I commend them to you. Uh, but we're here to talk specifically about podcasting. David's podcast is called Mac Power Users, which he co-hosts with Florida appellate practice attorney Katie Floyd. Did I get that right, David? Yeah, well, Katie is um, – she's a general civil attorney, oh, okay. but she's she's in the process of getting uh, um, an LLM in estate planning and taxation. Oh, I see. So she's, she's heading that direction. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, David, thank you so much for joining us for the show. You're welcome. Uh, I've been a big fan of Mac Power Users for a long time. I'm – also a self-proclaimed geek, <laughs> so I, I enjoy I have it. To tell you, I'm a big fan of your theme song. I want to get that. That was just too funky for me, man. I need that in my car. I'm going to su- subscribe. Just, I want to get that one. So, okay, well, <laughs> I'll send you the MP3 file. Uh, so tell us about your podcasting. When when did you first start, and how did that begin? Um, well, I wish I had looked it up. I, I think the show started in 2000. Eight or two thousand nine. Uh, we've been we've been at it for a while now, and the uh, I was already writing a lot about Apple technologies, and my my angle to all of this has always been, and I still feel that the Apple products really give you the ability to be productive because you don't have to do a lot; they just kind of work. And uh, I guess that's arguable with some of the stuff they're doing lately, but in general, it's still true. And so my angle was always, hey, how do, how, how do you get more productive with this stuff? And so I was writing. I spoke at the ABA Tech Show. And just, you know, I was kind of getting around as a productivity guy, I guess. And, mm-hmm. um, and Katie, who is a, another attorney, uh, I met her in Macworld. And everybody said, you guys should do a podcast together. And I felt like in the Apple space, every podcast that could have been made was already made. And it, I was actually against it. And mm-hmm. Um, Katie talked to me at some length about it and, you know, kind of the question is, well, what kind of show would you like? And, and I got thinking about that question and and the show that I wanted was one that doesn't talk about, you know, what color turtleneck Steve Jobs wears, but one that talks about, you know, how do you deal with email? You know, what's, what are the tricks and the tools and the things out there that can help you get better at it? And so we came up with the idea that we do show and focus on one subject a week. Mm Mm-hmm. 
And um, and it's funny because Katie's like, you know, we're going to make like 10 shows and we're going to run out of material. <laughs> and uh, now we're at show 225, yeah. I believe, it just published. So it, it seemed like it's got some legs. Well, and, fortunately, on the, both the hardware and the software side, they keep iterating. So there's more to talk about. Yeah. And, and, and not only that, just web services oh, yeah. and just socially, the way we deal with some of this technology is changing. So there's, there's just plenty to talk about. It's one of the things I really like about your show is that you – you come at it not just a you know here's the technical nuts and bolts of how to use this thing or or what it's good for, but also uh, you've sort of put it in context in your how your workflow has evolved and developed and and how those are uh, benefiting from the uses of these technologies and uh, it, it's crazy you know I have so much joy from doing that podcast and and we hear from people all over the planet and it's it's just crazy I mean. I remember we did one show and I just made an offhand comment. For some reason, we got talking about cars and technology and I had made a comment about this um, suction cup device to hold your iPhone that I really liked because so many of them were terrible. And I finally bought a good one and I was bragging about it. And one of the listeners from somewhere out in the bush in Africa wrote and he says, well, out here we can only use Velcro. We have to Velcro the phone to the dash where there's just nothing that will hold it on. Which was a great point, yeah. but just the thought of somebody driving around in Africa listening to me yammer on about technology just blew my mind, you know, and uh, it's really great. Yeah, well, I, I guess if you're thinking about doing a podcast, one of the great things for lawyers doing podcasts is, you know, you've got this job where you help people but with these big problems, but you, you never have the reach to, to get out to that many people. Yeah, agreed, agreed. Wow. So how did you guys get set up? I mean, are you a techie guy? Is Katie a techie gal? Yeah, or? We're, we're both nerds. Okay, I mean, so nerds. you just went and sort of looked at back in 2008. There wasn't a lot out there on how to get started as a podcaster. You had to sort of piece it together from a lot of Googling. Yeah. Well, we had we had friends that were already doing shows because we were both kind of known in the community already. Yeah. I had I had done a screencast podcast series. So I already had a feed in iTunes. Mm-hmm. And, and then Katie as well had a show that had kind of faltered. So we both had kind of been to the rodeo already. So it, it wasn't that hard to really get it set up. And, you know, the, the trick I felt like was was staying true to what we wanted from the beginning and not, you know, following into that, that pit. Because so many of these shows are are just kind of news-based shows mm-hmm. in, in, the, in the space that I'm in. And, yeah, sure. And we have always really stayed true to, you know, we spend – we probably spend our shows average about an hour and a half, and for any show, we've probably got an average of three hours of preparation time in it. So uh, we don't just read the news and comment; we actually plan it out and try and give our listeners something special. Talk about that workflow a little bit. So, how do you prep? What's the process like for you, all the way through production and post? Yeah, it's um, it's it's a lot of work. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, the uh, we have a, a list of topics. And we have uh, Google Docs and Google Spreadsheets, and we have some. There's a really good developer in the Mac space called the Omni Group, and they have a great outlining program. So we've got kind of a variety of tools we've we've come to work with over the years. Mm-hmm. And so we, at any one time, we've got a, a list of future shows. We also do occasionally what we call workflow shows because yeah. at some point people get tired of listening to lawyers <laughs> talking. Yeah. Right? So we've really um, embraced bringing in people who are not lawyers and, you know, talking about how they do interesting things with their technology. We've had like Aisha Tyler on. We had, um, 
you know, David Allen from Getting Things Done. And we, we've got some really great guests over the years. And, and some of our best guests have been people nobody have ever heard of, but they do something amazing. Like we got a guy from NASA coming in this weekend to talk. Oh, nice. And um, so it's a lot of fun having somebody in who's also really geeky and talking about what they do and how they pull it off. But so we've got a list of guests for those types of shows too. So at any one time, Katie and I kind of split up the labor and we start prepping shows. Some of the shows um, will prep pretty quickly and some of them will spend months kind of getting things together. I can think of one right now that's been in the process for like six months now and it's still not ready because you know, you've got to make sure everything's fully cooked before you get on the microphone <laughs> and start talking because you have a certain degree of credibility with your audience sure. and you don't want to lead them wrong. Okay. Do you, uh, so, so you sort of let things uh, simmer and summer on the back burner and things while you're prepping this week's show, you've sort of got some other things cooking yeah. and you're doing your I research mean, on the Yeah, side. we know the next four weeks are locked in at this point. Wow, and okay. You know, certain outlines have got to the extent where I say, okay, this one is a green light. It's going to go and who's going to do the final polish and get the outline together. And mm -hmm. then we record the show because, you know, and a really great thing, I guess one bit, if you're going to take one bit of advice as a prospective podcaster, um, my, my advice is pick a publication schedule and stick to it, which is, I think, one of the hardest things in the world for a lawyer to do. But um, no, I it, listen. I get it because May I, I continue your honor. <laughs> I, I have a lot of litigation as part of my practice, sure. and it's hard when suddenly I am in northern. I live in Southern California. Yeah. Suddenly I'm in Northern California doing a trial, and I got a show to produce at the same time. Mm -hmm. And when you're in trial, that's basically all you're thinking about. So we plan forward, and we you know we put shows in the can when one of us is going to go to trial. So we 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 for five years we've been able to make it work. But And I guess my point would be don't commit to a schedule that you don't feel comfortable you can meet. So if you're going to do a show, there's nothing wrong with doing one, one a month mm -hmm. or one every two weeks. There's no reason why you have to do every week because it, it can become a death march. I mean our show for the first two or three years was only twice a month. Yeah. You're, you're preaching to the choir with me. Actually, the episode immediately preceding this one deals with exactly that. I had a, uh, a guest cancel on me at the last minute and I didn't have an episode ready to go. So I let it go a week and I skipped. And this is basically a weekly show. Yeah. And uh, the second week arrived and my guest for that week also <laughs> uh, something came up. And so I, I couldn't let myself allow it to go any longer. So I, you know, in the interest of consistency, I put together a, a solo episode yeah. and, um, yeah, I think, I think consistency is important. My other show, the entertainment law update podcast is a monthly show because we do a roundup of, you know, news like you were saying, and, uh, yeah. there just wouldn't be enough interesting stuff to do on a weekly basis. Yeah, I get it. And who has time? <laughs> so, so with us, we, so we spend this time planning. Uh, so more, more time planned than really anything else. And then we set a record date. And I guess the point I was getting to earlier is we don't have a set recording time. And I, I think it would be great if we, we did because uh, we're on a network and we have the ability, the ability to have a live audience. And I always think that adds energy to the show. But with two lawyers, um, we just don't record the same time every week. Quite often we record uh, 6 p.m. on a weeknight and I'm on the West Coast and she's on the East Coast. So she's up at 9 p.m. Mm -hmm. recording a podcast. Sometimes we do it on Saturday morning. I mean, I just booked a couple of weeks from now. We've got a show we're recording on Saturday and another show we're recording the following day on Sunday. So you just don't have a set time. If you could have a set time, I think that would be a really nice way to kind of help yourself out. 
we do a, a live show. In fact, our show now at this point, we do essentially five shows a month because we do a live show the first mm-hmm. Saturday of the month. Uh-huh. And it's kind of nice knowing that, you know, the first Saturday of the month, I'm busy at 10 a.m. <laughs> you know, that's okay. Yeah. Uh, so how does that fit in into your your work life situation? It's hard. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. You know, I, uh, I, you know, you just keep the plate spinning and try and keep them from hitting the ground. I'll tell you when it really gets hard is when I get into a, a grind on, you know, the, the closing couple months of finishing a book. Uh-huh. I've written um, seven books. So, uh, you know, trying to finish a book and I just plan it around uh, my day job to a certain degree. Mm-hmm. Like if I've got a trial in January uh, I just say, okay, that book is not going to get worked on in January mm-hmm. and then in February because I'm a civil attorney. We don't have trials every month. You know, I usually have two or three a year if I'm yeah. lucky. So I just kind of work around it, and things don't get done as fast as I'd like them to. But I'm uh, I'm too hard on myself with that, and that's something I really need to get better at is just saying, okay, this is what I can do today. But yeah, to answer the question, there is no no magic to it. I I think it does help that I'm a geek because I automate so many things in my life and mm-hmm. I'm I'm able to build in extra time. But I'm also a dad, and you know I don't I I you know, we recorded this tonight at eight o'clock. My daughter was in a play this oh. evening, so we um, we went to the play. We went to dinner, and now I'm on the microphone with Gordon. How old are your kids? Funky music. What? How old are your kids? Uh, they're getting older, which makes it easier. I've mm-hmm. got a one that's eighteen, another is thirteen. Oh. So, yeah, mine are little. We're recording at a time uh, that was convenient for me because they are now in bed. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, I get it. Yeah. Um, so, this podcast, Mac Power Users, is a technology show. It's about Mac hardware and software and using the tools in in your life yeah. and and so on. Um, it's not part of the law practice, but yeah, have we go you out found- of our way really not to talk about law on the show. Yeah, yeah. And in fact, I've heard you, you know, mention, hey, we don't want to get bogged down in this stuff. We've got listeners that couldn't care less. And Yeah. Uh, but how has it been as far as supportive of your practice or detracting? And, and would you say it's been good for business? Yeah, I, I've got some clients out of the show over the years. But I mean, uh, we have a, a global audience and there's not that many people listening that have need for a savvy business attorney in Orange County, California, yeah. you know, but it's funny. I, I've given lots of referrals to, to, um, listeners over the years and they come in all the time. I just had an app developer from Texas. He says, I'm getting, I screwed up my taxes and I'm in huge trouble. I don't know what to do. And you're the only lawyer in my life, <laughs> you know, <laughs> cause you know, a podcaster, I don't know if you think about this, you, maybe you've covered this in a show, but it's a very intimate relationship. I mean, you're whispering in people's ear every week. I mean, it's, crazy. So, so I, um, I called a friend of mine who's a tax specialist and I said, here's a guy in Texas who really needs some help with, um, with, you know, and he, I think they got him referred out to a, a qualified attorney in Texas. So I'm kind of a gatekeeper in that regard. I don't really, I hope people listening don't think they can just, I don't want to get a million requests for referrals. <laughs> you want to give your phone but, number right now, Dave? <laughs> but, but you know, when they do, you know, people find me and ask, I, I'm always happy to help them. And a, and a couple of them have been actually people that were in my wheelhouse and I was able to help them. But, um, you know, it, it's nice because the, the podcast actually came after I started, started, but I've been speaking at the ABA tech show mm-hmm. for years and, Again, I've not really got many clients out of that, but I've made a lot of really nice friends in the the lawyer slash geek community. 
Um, it's I, you know, when Max Sparky, which is kind of the persona of my my uh, my Mac geekiness, mm-hmm. started to really kind of take flight. I was actually very careful about not saying anything about it in the local community. Um, mm. And I, I just didn't, and I'm not sure why. I think, um, you know, I, I have worked with people over the years that have kind of ridiculed me for being a geek. And um, and I think I kind of took that too seriously. I didn't realize that would have benefit is to me. And over the years, I've been much more open in my local community about the stuff I'm doing. And that has brought me plenty of work uh, from attorneys in my local community. Cool. Have you ever encountered uh, opposing counsel saying that they've heard your show or that they know who you are from <laughs> that life? Yeah, I, it's funny because I had always been terrified of that, that I was going to be in a deposition and then somebody was going to say, well, Max Sparky needs to make his objection or something stupid. You know, and <laughs> I mean, you, you just kind of play this out in your head. Yeah. But um, it's it's not been that way at all. In fact, I've had you know, opposing counsel or co-counsel say, you know, I, I read your book and it really helped me. Or I, you know, even like some clients that I didn't, I've never spoken about this to who will call me up and say, Hey, you were talking about a thing on your podcast. Can you show me how to do that? And I'm like, I didn't even know you knew I had a podcast. <laughs> so that's kind of fun. Um, I don't know. It's all been good. When I, when I hit 20 years of practice, I, um, I wrote a very heartfelt post on the website and you know, my website's mainly about technology, but I, I drift into kind of the hippie nonsense once in a while. And uh, so I wrote a post because I just felt like I had something to say about being a lawyer for 20 years because it's very special to me. And and so I wrote this really kind of from the heart post. And and a lawyer on a case had called me up and she says, you know, I really liked what you said. Hmm. She says, I, I worry about you a little bit when you put your yourself out there like that, that people will take advantage of you. And, you know, because I, I kind of made the point that the only way I've been to be able to be a lawyer for 20 years is I just don't lie. I am very ethical. I'm not, you know, mm-hmm. and doing litigation that there's a lot of the, you know, the Rambo types out there that are going to walk all over you. Mm-hmm. And that just hasn't been my experience because I, you know, I feel like I'm ethical but at the same time. I'm an advocate and I advocate, you know, so I'm not afraid of those guys. But it, I thought it was an interesting bit of feedback. Yeah. Interesting. Well, I think there's a lot to be said for transparency and, and, you know, being authentic from start to finish with things. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I want to tie up the question about your workflow and the production of the show. Is there much post-production that goes into it or do you guys tell me? I, I just, I keep straying. I don't know how you can deal with me, Gordon. Uh, but the, uh, uh, so, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm the extended podcaster. I can't stop talking. <laughs> I'm a lawyer too, but the, uh, makes you a good guest. So, uh, anyway, the, uh, so we spend all the time planning, then we schedule the show and we do the show. And sometimes we have a guest and sometimes we don't, we record it, um, on our Macs, of course, cause we're Mac geeks. And, uh, I use a road podcaster microphone. Um, I had a Heil PR40 for some time, but it, there was something wrong with it, and it was getting a kind of a hum onto the recording, which was causing all sorts of trouble. Mm-hmm. And it was a very expensive microphone, and I ended up just getting this Rode Podcaster with with the boom mount, mm-hmm. which I highly recommend if you're getting into this, get that thing so you can stick it right in your face. Yeah. And um, it was like 250 bucks, so it wasn't a huge investment. And it's USB, so you can plug it into Mac or PC. Mm-hmm. And we record uh, through Skype with our guests, but our show is what we call a double-ender, a triple-ender. Mm-hmm. Everybody records locally. So um, 
if you listen to some of our very first shows, you could tell who was doing the editing because the Skype recording isn't always that great uh, on one side, whoever's the distant one. So, so we actually split the recording on each end and then combine them into one. So you have the local recording. Does that make sense? Sure. Yeah. Okay. So, so that's how we record the show. And we're on a network now, which means we have post-production help for many years. We did it ourselves, Mm -hmm. but now we've got people helping us in with the back end. That's great. So that was actually where I was going to go next. You, you've you've been monetized the show uh, first by taking on sponsors. That was before the network came into the, the equation, right? You you were using yeah. sponsors for quite a while. Well, we I mean we didn't have any clue what we were doing. You would think you know we're not entertainment lawyers, <laughs> but the uh, you know we made a show and we wanted to make something we were proud of, yeah. and then. Some of the software developers in the community, because we, you know, we talk about stuff that we love. And so it's a natural fit for some of them to contact us and say, well, we want to sponsor you. And we looked at each other and we're like, I don't know what to charge. You know, (laughs) we're doing something we love. And and I think to this day, we probably undercharge because we've got a pretty big audience. And um, but at the same time, we're very selective when people approach us. We don't say yes to everybody. And we don't, um, although we have really great numbers, we don't generally um, share numbers with people because people who are going to make a decision about sponsoring your podcast based on your numbers are kind of the the clicks per million, the mm-hmm. CPM type mm-hmm. people. And they're going to be wanting measuring results. And I feel like a podcast is a very different beast in terms of audience. I mean, you have credibility with the audience and you're sharing that credibility with a sponsor. So it has to be something you actually believe. Sure. And if you don't, you can't sell it and you look like you're you're you know, you're for sale. I, I don't know. It's it's a weird thing. But so we've had sponsors and we uh basically we manage most of our own sponsorships through our show, but we are on a network and some of the network ads come through to our show as well. I see. And that network is called Five by Five and they have a number of other Podcasts, not all uh, in the technology space, but some humor and and yeah. uh, other kinds of sort of entertainment. Really, really great people. I mean, mm-hmm. we're really so so. What was it that motivated the decision to go with a network? What is the what do they bring to the party? The uh, the people that approached me from the network were people that I knew and trusted, and the idea of being on a network had it a benefit of exposing us to other audience members that didn't know we existed. You know, because uh, the, this network. Um, especially at that time, was really the darling of the podcasting community, mm-hmm. and so all these people were going there for shows, and it just gave us a you know exposure to that. Mm-hmm. And um, the, we still did our own post production when we first went over because huh. we were so anal retentive about it. But <laughs> eventually, we we caved in, and I you know I just yeah I'll tell you I have been very non lawyerly throughout this whole process of Max Sparky. You know I'm very. I try not to be that guy that's going to, you know, chisel people over contract mm-hmm. terms and stuff. Mm-hmm. I I feel like, you know, when you put yourself out there in this kind of thing, it's generosity that really works more than anything else. You know, get, I give away more than I sell. And and I think that the audience appreciates that mm-hmm. and they support me. So it it's it's a good it's worked out well for me. Um I don't know what the future holds for, you know, podcasting and monetization, but podcasting is getting bigger mm-hmm. and people are trying lots of different models now. Yeah. Yeah. Talk a little bit about working with a co-host and Katie in, in particular, you guys have a fun chemistry. Um, you were friends before you started. 
Yeah, we were friends, but we really don't know each other that well when we started. I mean, when you think mm-hmm. about it, she's in Florida, I'm in California. We see each other once a year. And even then, Macworld is a zoo. And it doesn't exist anymore. They've, they've now shuttered it. But yeah. it's a zoo. And it's not like we were joined at the hip the whole time. We, you know, <laughs> But, you know, we've really grown. I, I know I've grown to respect her a great deal over the years. And we tease each other on the show all the time. Mm-hmm. And, and it kind of works. And there's no hurt feelings. And we just kind of have fun with it. I think we both feel like we're just the luckiest people in the world to have a podcast that people listen to. And care about so much. So I don't know. We it's just been very easy. I know. I know some people have shows with co-hosts that go terribly wrong, and I think part of it is it's just like you know a marriage in a lot of ways. I mean, my wife and I, we really want to please the other person. We really want to help out. And Katie and I are the same way. We really try to go out of our way to make it easier when she gets really busy. Like she, her grandfather was very sick a year ago, and and I carried the show for a while. And and you know when I get busy, she helps do the same. So, you know, we, we really try to work together. Sounds like a great partnership. Yeah. Hmm. Um, so tell me your thoughts on law podcasting in particular. I, I know you're not doing a law podcast, but do you listen to law related material? Yeah, I, I do. Um, off and on. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a guest on our show. Um, I'm, I forget his, his name is slipping right now, but he he made one something like to the extent. So you want to start a law firm podcast? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to look it up in just a minute. But the uh, and it was it was I thought that was a really interesting angle where he did a opening your own practice sure. uh, podcast and he was putting all these great shows in the can where you could just go and he was talking about you know Rocket Matter or whatever you wanted mm-hmm. to use to kind of he, he addressed every approach of it financial management. I thought that was a really clever idea for an attorney, and I have. I have toyed with over the years um, the some of these uh, these podcasts that you know cover California business law and the production values of all of the ones I've listened to have been just horrendous and the content wasn't that great either. It's been so bad that occasionally I I think well I'll just make one but you know what I don't have time so I'm I'm actually never going to make one. Um, but it seems to me like a, a great opportunity for someone. If you had the time, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, so, do you think? I mean, do you think of podcasting as an effective marketing and communications tool for for lawyers to look at? Yeah, I, I think you know. I've always felt that my best source of referrals were other lawyers and opposing counsel. I mean, I quite often, if I have an opposing counsel I respect, I will send them work later because uh, uh-huh. I've seen them under fire, and I've had the same experience where opposing counsel has sent me work later and. And I think if you could establish yourself as an expert and lawyers were listening to you talk to them about whatever area of law they practice in, I think you would be at the front of their minds when they need to send someone somewhere. So, yeah, I, I think it's a great idea. Okay. But it's it's also niche You know what I mean? It's yeah. – um, every state has different laws. I mean this is stuff you've probably already covered. But I think if you're going to do it, you would need to kind of find your space. Yeah. Well, one of the things I talk about is that you don't necessarily need to be podcasting about a legal subject in order for it to be valuable to your prospective clients and referral base. You know, if you're a motorcycle accident attorney, talk about motorcycles. Don't talk about accidents. <laughs> you yeah, know? that's a good idea. Uh, that good kind idea. of thing. Um, talk about your books a little bit. Tell you said the the field guide series. Yes. Yeah. The um, I uh, I did a couple books for a big publisher. 
and it was a really great experience. But I wanted, you know, I realized I, I kind of had my own audience already, mm-hmm. and I wanted to, um, I wanted to to do my own thing. I wanted to publish my own books, and more importantly, I'm talking about tech topics. And you know, when you publish a book that's going to go in Barnes and Noble, and you want to cover a topic. You're very limited. You know, mm-hmm. you, maybe you get three or four screenshots and you know two thousand words to get your point across. Yeah. Well, that's really hard to do, and it's even harder for someone reading it to make any sense of what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And so I had, as as before, I had done some screencasts, and screencasts are like a movie of your of your computer screen, where I'm talking and you're watching my mouse move around, and it's the best way to learn technology stuff. I mean, it's just absolutely the best way. So Apple came out with this platform called iBooks Author in 2012, Mm -hmm. I think it was. Yeah, it was early 2012. And everybody made fun of it because it was the idea was it's going to be this textbook platform. And I I immediately saw it as the perfect tool for writing about technology and especially Apple technology because the books would only play on iPads at the time. Now they also play on the Mac. And I said, why wouldn't I write a tech book? In this platform, so I the first book I did was called Paperless, mm-hmm. and it's all about how to go paperless. And a lot of the experience is based on what I did in my law practice in terms of just getting, you know, how do you name documents, how do you store documents, what's the cloud, where you know, what's the backup system. So I basically made a, a soup to nuts guide on going paperless, and it was written really for a consumer or anybody, but uh, tons of lawyers I've ever <laughs> have bought the book and I and I added an hour and a half of screencasts to the book so not only do I tell you what to do you get to watch me do it on my screen mm-hmm. and it's so much more accessible to people um and so since then I've made five books in this series where you know now I've got email covered and paperless and presentations and mac tips and markdown so I've got all these books now that, that teach you this stuff and it's just I love it. Honestly, it is so much work, but I'm so happy with it. In some ways, it's the best work I've done in my life. Well, that's really saying something. And, and I have yeah. read several of your books, and I, I come, as I said, I commend them to the audience. Um, the Paperless book is excellent. The Presentations book, you, you teach um, not just the how to use the software, the keynote or the PowerPoint, but also some sort of philosophy behind it and strategy in, in how to make a presentation that's effective and uh, well, thank you is what I'm saying for that. It's yeah, well, you know, that was an interesting book because I anybody could make a how-to on how to, you know, create a presentation and keynote. But I, I wanted to actually talk about, well, what makes it a good presentation? What, you know, what do you need to think about? And, and I also spent a lot of time in that book talking about presentation day and, mm-hmm. you know, what do you – you know, what do you do to be ready to stand up and hold that clicker and make it sing? I'll tell you, of all my books, that's the one that scares me the most that opposing counsel is going to use against me someday. <laughs> because, uh, some of my best tricks are in that book. You, you didn't keep a whole card? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, actually, one of the things I liked about the book was that you actually talk about the sort of the toolkit that you want to bring with you. So you yeah. have the adapters yeah. and all that. Kind of, it's, you know, yeah, just, I actually have a picture of it. I yeah. took my toolkit and I just spread it out on the floor and took a picture and it's all interactive so you can yeah, touch on great. it. It's fun. That's great. All right, so back to the podcasting. What's your favorite moment from your podcasting experience? You've been doing this five or six years now and yeah. it must be something. Wow, that's a good question and I don't really have a, a quick answer for it. I, I really enjoy the relationship with Katie Floyd and how you know we've kind of grown together over the years. Um, I think that some of the more celebrity style guests we've had have been great. 
moments because they're you get them in there. It's funny because there's people that you know you you watch their movies or you know whatever, and there's somebody you kind of look up to. I can't help it. We all feel that way towards celebrities, and they get on the phone with you. And they're like, "Wow, I can't believe I'm talking to you." You know, mm-hmm. they say that to us. You know, <laughs> <laughs> and it just kind of tells you how awesome podcasts are that it's allowed two geeky lawyers to you know basically sit in their basements and reach out to the world that's great um yeah it's it's a platform isn't it it it, it, as you said you had your own audience when you published the went publishing the books yourself yeah um some of that was from your prior speaking and presentation stuff but the podcast certainly allowed you to reach out as you said a broader reach yes yeah and i i honestly if i really was having trouble in the firm and I needed clients and I went on the show and said that, you know, talked more about what I do and, the t- and told people I was looking for clients, my audience would find clients for me. There's no doubt. I mean, I'm not going to reach out and make that request of until, course. you know, I'm behind on the mortgage, but <laughs> the, uh, but I, I have no doubt that I could actually leverage this stuff towards the law practice if I wanted. Right on. Okay, so we talked about a f- your, sort of the favorite things about it. What's your worst nightmare moment? Have you ever had that nightmare moment in the show? Um, not really. I mean, we've had surprises on the show where we have a guest that you know is an expert as something, and we didn't do a good enough job vetting them. And mm-hmm. we get them on the show, and we find out well, they really aren't an expert, and they don't really have much to add. And we're letting the audience down. And we usually try to pivot those shows. And, you know, we've learned lessons like we pre-interview most of our guests now unless it's somebody we really know well already. Mm-hmm. So we kind of weed that out. Um, it's always hard uh, cr- getting criticism. And, you know, sometimes because we've got a big audience, sometimes we get people really angry with us for things that um, seem silly. Mm-hmm. But it, it's true anger on their side. You can see it. And, and to tell you the truth, I just don't let it get me down too much. I, I just do my thing. I think it's the nature of, of having an audience is, you know, if you're not yeah. taking somebody off, you're not doing it right. <laughs> yeah. Um, so what would, what kind of advice would you offer to somebody starting out in podcasting, both the things to do and the definitely not to do? I think, um, I think the the biggest thing to do, and I, w- there's a great, um, uh, interview at South by Southwest done by Merlin Mann and John Gruber, who are both two very well recognized kind of uh, people in the Mac community. And it's a podcast. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send you a link for it because okay. I don't remember the exact name. But the idea is they started talking about how do you make – I think it started out on the idea of how do you make a good blog. And they got into the subject of specificity. And I think it's some of the best advice I've heard because don't try and make a podcast about you know real estate law because that's way too broad. Make a podcast about real estate law in condominiums with, you know, pools or something. You know, get as specific as you can. Get, you know, narrow it down. Mm-hmm. So someone that's looking through a long list is going to say, that's exactly what I want. And I think you're, you're better off. Even if the audience isn't as large, they're going to be much more invested. Don't, get, don't go too general, I guess, would be one piece of advice. Another piece of advice is stay on a schedule. And uh, I guess another piece, of, I could just keep talking, Gordon. Please do. <laughs> but the, uh, you know, don't hedge on the quality of the audio. I mean, don't do not record a show with a lousy microphone. Don't. I mean, there are podcasts out there where people are talking into the built-in microphone on their computers, yeah. 
And it's terrible. It's just terrible. Spend some time. I mean, there's a lot of, there's lynda.com or there's a lot of places you can go out there to learn how to make a professional quality audio. And you need to do it. And if you're not willing to do that, then you probably shouldn't be making a podcast because nothing makes a listener more frustrated than poor audio. Even if you've got great content, they will turn you off. It's just hard to listen if it doesn't sound good. It's uncomfortable. Yeah. 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 Agreed. Well, uh, anything else you'd like to add to our conversation? No, I just, uh, I would encourage people out there that are interested in doing it to try it. Um, don't expect to get rich, but if you're passionate about it, go for it. Okay. Well, David, this has really been a terrific chat and, uh, I've learned a great deal from you. I'm sure the listeners have too. I'm really grateful to you for joining me today. So thank you very much. It's been uh, a lot of fun chatting. Thanks, Gordon. My pleasure. Tell the listeners. Oh, go ahead. You are going to send me the music, though, right? Of course. That's so funky, man. (laughs) Tell the listeners how they can reach you if they have questions Um, or whatever. Go to the um, the 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 main place would be maxsparky.com, which is kind of my home on the internet, and it's got links there to the books and the podcasts and the blogs and all the other stuff. If you want to listen to our show, it's macpowerusers.com, which is another great place to go, and I hope you enjoy it. All right. Well, thank you also to you listeners. Uh, Please do take a moment to send us your comments and your suggestions on the website at lawpodcaster.com. And, of course, a review in the iTunes Music Store would be very, very welcome. It helps us uh, rise in the rankings and so on. And uh, that about wraps it up for this episode of the Law Podcasting Podcast. If you are interested in podcasting for your law practice, please visit lawpodcasting.com. And I'll send you the free Law Podcasting Resource Guide. We're launching Power Podcasting for Lawyers course very soon, and you'll be added to our notification list so you can hear all more about that. And uh, until next time, we'll say keep on podcasting. Mm-hmm.